It's been such a great morning already. Just a really amazing gift to be led so powerfully uh, in worship by our team. And thank you to the crew as well for all you do. Thanks so much again, Mel, for the amazing work you do and for allowing us the gift of partnering with you. It's, it's a really unique privilege for us to be able to partner together. And so here we are. We are in December, and it is the most wonderful time of the year. Or is it? Okay, for so many of us, we look forward to Christmas for a long time, maybe the whole year long. We're eager, we're excited, we're filled with anticipation. We love the decorations, we love the lights, we love the thrill of going out and hunting for just the right gift that will express our love and care to the people around us, and we just find satisfaction when we see their faces light up when they open this gift. Or maybe we also really like that they give us really good gifts as well. Maybe we're passionate about all the Christmas parties and the space to just be together with so many amazing people, and we're just excited about the opportunity to gather and to be close. Maybe for many of us, this is the most wonderful time of the year, a time that fills us and provides us with a deep sense of joy and satisfaction. And for some others of us, it's possible that this is a time of year that you just dread. Maybe all year long, you dread Christmas coming. Maybe as all the decorations and all the lights go up, it just seems to highlight the sense of emptiness and pain and uncertainty in your soul. Maybe while everybody else is out there gathering together and celebrating in parties, you just feel isolated and alone. You feel this deep sense of disconnection because you feel like you have nowhere to go. Maybe in a season like this, you feel the financial pressure of continuing to celebrate the ways that you used to when you no longer have the means that you used to. Maybe in this season you're uniquely grieving the loss of someone or a group of people who are no longer here or with you for perhaps a variety of reasons. Or maybe as you look at the world around you, just the sense of pain and darkness and difficulty just seems overwhelming. It seems hard in a time like this to just experience joy and hope. And in moments like this, we come together and we sing joy to the world, and maybe in the midst of our hearts we have this wrestle. How joyful do we really feel? Do we have the capacity to pour out an overflow of joy from within our hearts and what we are experiencing? Like we're in the season of Advent. An interesting thing that the early church did uh, early on, they recognized that the celebration of Jesus coming to be with us was such a big deal that we needed some time to be ready. And so they prepared this four-week process called Advent before Christmas so we could prepare our hearts and our minds and our lives to be fully aligned with Jesus so that by the time we came to celebrate Christmas, we could embrace it in freedom and confidence and joy without any kind of hesitation. Because we had taken weeks to process and to work through anything that might be hindering our relationship with God. And we had taken weeks to do whatever we could to the best of our ability to be living in right relationship with the people around us. And so that as we come towards Christmas, we can increasingly embrace this with a sense of freedom and confidence and experiencing the presence of God. And so as a church, throughout this Advent season, we're looking at the gifts that Jesus gives to us, the ways that we can continue to draw close to him and embrace life with him. Last week, Pastor Caleb led us to this really beautiful sermon talking about the freedom that Jesus gives to us and inviting us to keep walking into deeper and deeper freedom with God. And today, I'm really excited that we get the chance to look at joy, the good gift of joy that God gives to us. Because I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes it feels hard to experience this overwhelming sense of joy. Maybe sometimes the difficulties of life or the intensity or just the busyness seems to crowd out this sense of joy. 
My prayer for me and for all of us as we move towards Christmas this year, that Jesus would prepare our hearts, that he would implant within us the kind of joy that will last, the kind of joy that isn't crushed by hard circumstances but carries us through them. And as we walk into Christmas and beyond, that we would be able to walk with a deeper sense of joy, the kind of joy that would be our strength in a very uncertain and complicated world. Because that's really what we need. And so this morning, let's buckle up, let's get ourselves together, because Jesus has the really good gift of joy, and let's dive in. Let's pray as we start. Father, we thank you that you are with us in all circumstances and in all things. Lord, we thank you for the good gift of joy that you desire to give. Lord, we thank you that you give good gifts. You know how to give better gifts than any of us. And that in your heart is that same kind of fatherly longing and desire that we would open these gifts and experience delight in them, that we would open these gifts and recognize your unique love and care for us as we see the good things that you are bestowing upon us. And so today, Jesus, we just ask for freedom from fear. We ask for freedom from cynicism. We ask for freedom to just graciously receive the really good gift of joy that you want to give to us. And would this joy sink deep into the core of our souls? Would it flourish there and strengthen us and carry us through moments of life that are difficult or hard or uncertain? We consecrate these moments to you and ask Jesus that you would protect and surround them, fill them, and guide us close to yourself. Help us to cast off any spirit of heaviness and just to receive the wonder of your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. And so what comes to your mind when I say the word joy? Again, for many of us, we think about this giddy kind of happiness, maybe even like a syrupy kind of happiness. But joy is so much more than that. Joy is a deep delight that springs from a place of rightness. I'm just going to say that again for us. Joy is this deep delight that springs from a place of rightness. It's that deep delight that pours into our souls when something is exactly the way that it should be, or maybe even so much better than we imagined that it could be. When we are shocked by the wonder and the goodness of life, those moments when we look at a sunset or a sunrise and just feel this deep sense of, oh, this is so good. I can't believe that I get to see and know and experience this. Or those moments of deep delight when we are with someone that we love and it just feels so right. And we didn't really know that we could experience this kind of satisfaction or this kind of hope or this kind of joy. This is what it's meant to look like. This morning, I want us to hear the sound of joy. And so I'm going to read our passage for us this morning. And certainly, it'll be up on the screen. You can read it through uh, if you'd like. But what I want to encourage some of us to do is to just sit and maybe even just close your eyes and just listen to the sound of joy. And maybe see where the Holy Spirit might be inviting you into a deeper kind of joy. So I'm reading this morning from Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46, if you want to follow along. And if you just want to sit and maybe just try and receive it or just listen for the sound of joy, I invite you to do that this morning. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. 
He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. These are the words that Mary declares to us in Luke chapter 1, again beginning in verse 46. At this particular point in time, Mary is pregnant with Jesus, and she's talking with her cousin Elizabeth. As you listen to these words, you can just hear the sense of delight, the sense that she is bursting with excitement. She can't contain the giddiness in her soul that is flowing out of this place of rightness that everything is coming out so much better than she possibly imagined that it could be. Mary just has so much joy because she recognizes God is doing tremendous and mighty and amazing things for her. And as we read this passage, it can be really easy for us to picture maybe a a very placid kind of nativity scene where everything seems happy and hallowed and bright and everything is just smooth and easy and simple. But when Mary spoke these words, it was anything but simple. It's a remarkably complicated situation. Just think about this for a few minutes. Throughout the Gospel of Luke, Mary is presented to us as someone who is lowly. Mary is literally nobody from nowhere. Mary is young in a culture that values the old. Mary is a woman in a man's world. Mary is poor in a world that significantly values wealth. She has no power and she has no status. She has no influence. She has no social standing. On top of that, she is from the town of Nazareth. We read later on in the Gospels that some people even say, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? It's some backwater hick town in the middle of nowhere. She's living in a nation that has been conquered and occupied, first by the Greeks and then by the Romans. The people are in a space where they are being dominated and pushed down and oppressed over and over and over again. Every single day... Mary lives in an environment where there is political and there is economic and there is religious oppression all around her all of the time. She is part of a conquered people in the middle of nowhere where everything is happening somewhere off in Rome. There's some kind of backwater province that very few people care about or are truly interested in. And to top all of this off, Mary is an unmarried, pregnant teenage girl in a culture where she could be killed for this. It's a remarkably complicated situation. But in the middle of all of this complexity, Mary has this bursting sense of joy, this overflowing kind of delight that springs from brightness. And how could she do this? How could she still have joy in the middle of all of the horrors and the agony and the oppression that's happening around her every single moment and every single day? Well, Mary tells us, She says to us, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, every single generation is going to call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. In the midst of all the complexity and the intensity and the oppression of life, Mary is overcome by the sense of joy because of who God is and the wonders of all that he is doing for her. You see, it doesn't matter anymore that Mary is nobody from nowhere. It doesn't matter that she has no status or no power or no influence and that very few people care about her, if anybody at all. It doesn't matter anymore 
Because God Almighty who created everything and sustains all of the universe is mindful of her. And all of her sense of insignificance and powerlessness melts under the weight of a God who sees her. A God who has been mindful of everything that she's ever journeyed through and all of the hardship of this current moment in her life. God is mindful of her. And that matters more than anyone or anything else in the, in the space of her experience. And not only is God mindful of her, but the Mighty One is doing great things for her. Again, Mary and her people are living in a space of oppression where they're being crushed and brutalized and pushed down every single day. And under the weight of this oppression, they are crying out and they are longing for God to come and to redeem them, to rescue them, and to do something. And Mary recognizes that something tremendous is happening to her. You see, this angel Gabriel appeared to her and said to her that the Holy Spirit would come upon her. And then he said these words, You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. You see, Mary recognizes that in and through her, God is doing something tremendous. In and through her, God will bring redemption and freedom and confidence and healing, and all the darkness and brokenness of her world will be pushed aside because the Mighty One is doing something so powerful and something so significant. Mary recognizes that God is giving her the dignity of playing a vital role and a significant part in the redemptive work that he is doing for centuries her people have been crying out and waiting and longing for the Messiah to come. And now God is saying to her, I am choosing you to be the mother of the Messiah. Jesus will be fully human and fully divine and all of his humanity will come from you and through you. She recognizes God is giving her such profound dignity and honor. He is moving powerfully to recreate and to shape and to navigate the whole world, to make it more the place that he desires it to be. And her joy springs from the truth that the Mighty One recognizes all that is happening and is moving in power and might to accomplish great and tremendous things. Again, Mary has this kind of joy, a joy that doesn't need to try and pretend that everything is okay, and a joy that certainly is not crushed by the hardness of life, but the kind of joy that picks her up and carries her seamlessly through all the complexity and the pain and the uncertainty of her world. She has this joy because she knows God. And she knows that God is doing mighty things on her behalf. And so this joy carries her through all of her circumstances. And I don't know about you, but as I read these words and think about this, I can empathize somewhat with Mary. Again, I recognize that I am also nobody from nowhere. Yet my parents came to this country to flee violence in their own country. I grew up in the out-of-the-way hick town of Elk Point, Alberta. I am not particularly strong, and I am not overwhelmingly capable. There's been so many moments throughout the course of my life where I can recognize that other people have pushed or diminished me over the course of my existence. And sometimes I just felt small and insignificant. But again, God has been mindful of me. He has seen the full course of my life and my steps. 
he recognizes me. And in his grace and in his mercy, he has called out to me. And he's welcomed me to become a part of his family. He has saved and redeemed me. He has given me a powerful space of belonging in his community and in his church. In overwhelming power and strength, God has dealt with the sins in my life that are just too big and too strong for me. God continues to speak truth into the core of my soul and all the places where I have believed lies myself or where other people have spoken lies over me. He continues to do powerful and mighty things, even with all of my weaknesses and all of my inabilities. He's called me to play a vital role in the work that he's doing to bring redemption and salvation into the lives of others. In this moment, he's welcomed me into this community at this particular time where he is doing beautiful and life-changing things. Holy is his name. Again, I recognize that my life is not without complexity. My life certainly is not without pain. But in the midst of all of this, I recognize that he is teaching me to find joy. The kind of joy that doesn't need to diminish the harsh realities of life and the kind of joy that is not crushed by them. But the kind of joy that picks me up and blesses and strengthens and carries me through all the complexity and the circumstances of life. Because I get to know God. I get to know that he sees me and he is working powerfully on my behalf. And so what about you? As you sit here this first Sunday of December in 2023, what is your level of joy? Do you have a kind of joy that strengthens you all of the way through? Or do you have a joy that is easily crushed by the intensity of life and the circumstances that you may be facing? And I think for so many of us, we feel small and we feel inadequate and we feel insignificant. For some of us, we have journeyed through or are journeying through tragic and painful and difficult circumstances that seem to crush the interior life of our being and we just don't know how to process these things. But do you know today that God Almighty, the creator and sustainer of the universe, is mindful of you? That he has seen every single one of your steps. That he recognizes every loss and every tragedy and every moment where you feel small and insignificant. He recognizes the stress and the pressure that you feel. Do you know that God Almighty cares uniquely about the concerns that are on your heart today, about the financial pressure that you feel, or the pressure that you feel to keep up at work or at school? Do you recognize that God is mindful of all of the ways you've been hurt or wounded or diminished over the course of your life? Do you recognize today that God is mindful of you? That God has unique dreams for who he is creating you to be? That he's not somehow far off and distant from your experience, but he is mindful of every single one of your steps. And not only this, but God is working powerful things for you. If you are in relationship with Jesus, God loves you to the fullest extent. He has given the wholeness of himself and his life for you. At Christmas time, we get to celebrate this experience that God is passionate enough about you that he moved into our human experience to take on all the full weight of our evils and the destructive nature in our world to free you and to wash you and to cleanse you and to draw you into life. And every time we get to see a Christmas tree or Christmas lights or decorations around us or give a gift to someone else, this is a reminder to our souls. This is the extent of God's love, that he would come to be near us and to draw us close. 
And do you know today that there's no sin in your past or in your present? There's no brokenness within your experience or your world. There's no sense of shame or no act that's been too devastating in your life that God cannot meet you in those places and bring about redemption. There's no space that he cannot bring freedom to. There's nothing that he can't call you through into a deeper experience of life. I've been thinking a little bit about the last phrase of Psalm 23. Last phrase of Psalm 23, many of us know it. says, you know, surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we read those words, we think about something very passive. We think about goodness and mercy sort of gently following along behind us. But that's not what the language means. The language would better be translated, there is a relentless pursuit of goodness and mercy after you. That every moment of every day, God is relentlessly in pursuit of you to wrap you in his goodness and to shower you with his mercy. God is not passive in his relationship with you. We see this in Jesus. He is so committed to you that he will move towards you. And every single day, his mercies for you are new. Every single day, he is in pursuit of you to bring goodness and life and mercy and rightness into your experience and your existence. And he welcomes us to continue to move away from and turn away from sin and everything that's destructive and broken so we can more adequately receive the goodness of what he's inviting us into. This is the wonder of the presence of God. This is the relentless nature with which he pursues you. Do you know today that the mighty one is doing great things for you? That it wasn't just a salvation he wanted to give you a number of years ago, but today he wants to meet you in a fresh way. Today, he wants to pour out his grace and mercy. Today, he has great plans for what he wants to do with you. And today, if you don't know Jesus, you recognize that the Mighty One is mindful of you. He knows everything about you, even the parts of yourself that you are so good at hiding, and that he desires to bring you into a place of life and truth and holiness and rightness and relationship with him, that he has great plans for you. And today, Jesus is inviting us into this space to recognize that he has this good gift of joy for us, a joy that isn't just based on everything going well, but a joy that is firmly established in the truth that God sees us, that he is mindful of all of our steps, and that he is moving in might and strength and power to bring truth and goodness into every part of our soul and our life and our being. He wants to lead us into this kind of joy where we are not crushed by the harsh realities of life, but this kind of joy that picks us up and carries us through because we know God, and because we know that he is working mightily on our behalf. And I love that Mary doesn't stop there. Mary recognizes the joy that she has for all that God is doing for her, but then she goes on to say, His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors." And again, Mary has tremendous joy, not just because God is doing great things for her, which is a huge part of it, but she has tremendous joy because God is doing great things in and through her that will change all of the world. She recognizes that her pregnancy is the definitive proof that God is breaking into this world to radically transform the whole whole structure and the whole systems of who we are. That God will 
scatter the arrogant in their inmost thoughts. That God will pull down rulers from their thrones and he will raise up the humble. That God will fill those who are hungry with really good things. And he will do this in such a way where it is redemptive for everyone. God doesn't just swap one kind of oppression for another. But he moves all of us to this healthy, holy place. Those who were oppressors are brought to a healthy and right understanding of their need to repent and to turn away from the darkness that they engaged with so that they also can experience life. And those who were oppressed and crushed and pushed down are raised up to recognize the dignity with which God sees them and knows them and longs to give them life. He is creating an entirely new world. And Mary has tremendous joy because she knows that all the evil and all the darkness and all the oppression and all the pain and the hardness of life is only temporary. Because in her pregnancy, there's definitive proof that God is breaking in to bring about this radical transformation over and over and over again. And you and I find ourselves in a similar place. Again, we're not in the same space as Mary, but we also can recognize that the Holy Spirit of God lives and dwells within us. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that he is a down payment. He's a clarifying point that we can always look to to recognize that someday, God will break in in ultimate power and glory. And all the darkness and all the pain and all the oppression and all the lostness and all the loneliness and all the agony that we experience here and now is only temporary. Because one day the fullness of his kingdom of life and light and hope and joy and peace will dispel it all. And we are reminded that the power and the presence of God within us is enough to strengthen and to empower us for these days. We are not simply passive victims of the darkness and the pain and the oppression and the evil of people around us. We have been raised up with Christ and his life and power within us is enough to strengthen us and to fill us and to empower us to live as his ambassadors in every moment and in every situation that he draws us into. He invites us into a space of joy because we recognize that as real as our suffering and our pain and loneliness and the hardness of this world is right now, it is only temporary. And that one day we will be wrapped in the wonder of the love of God to experience the fullness and the abundance and the joy of his presence forever and ever and ever. There's a kind of strength in that. There's a kind of peace in that. There's a kind of delight that springs from the rightness of that. That one day all the darkness will simply be pushed aside and we can live and dwell in the wonder of his presence. And even in the here and now, he invites us to be agents of his transformation and his reconciling work, to see more hearts and more lives and more people changed and freed and healed and transformed to make this world as much as we can like his kingdom and his world. And so Jesus is inviting us to continue to move forward with him. He is giving us this good gift of joy. A joy that doesn't have to pretend that everything is fine when it's not, and a joy that is not crushed by the harsh reality of life, but the kind of joy that fills us with life and strengthens us to walk through whatever life may throw our way or whatever we have endured in the past. Because we know the wonder of God a God who is uniquely mindful of each one of us, and a God who is working powerfully and masterfully to bring about life and redemption and healing in the deep places of our soul. 
And we can experience this kind of joy because we know that all that is hard and painful and wrong and broken and with our world is only temporary. And as real and as painful as it is right now, it will not last. And so he invites us into joy. He offers us this really good gift of joy, the joy of the Lord that will be our strength. But how do we engage this joy? How do we really bring this in so it's not just a nice idea that we heard once on a Sunday morning, but that it becomes our lived reality? I want to encourage us today to do two particular things to embrace this joy more completely. And the first one seems a little bit counterintuitive. First of all, I want us to choose to be honest about what is not yet as it should be. Sometimes we've been convinced or thought that the only way to really experience joy is just to pretend that the hard things of life are not there or that they don't really hurt us. To kind of sweep these things under the rug and to put on a happy face and to get out there and say, everything is great, Jesus is doing stuff, it's fine. But when we do this, our joy will sour. When we do this, our joy turns from something that's life-giving into something that's very one-dimensional and very plastic-like. And our sense of joy and the, Jesus, uh, the joy that Jesus gives to us becomes very disconnected from the reality of our everyday life. But when we can choose to be open and honest with God, and maybe also with one another, and just to say, God, God this is what hurts. This is, not, this is what is not as it yet should be. This is how I feel about this reality. I don't know what to do with this part of the pain in my life. And when we are open and honest with him, it opens the door for his redemptive presence to meet us in those hard and painful and broken places and to bring life. Because we don't have to pretend that it's fine when it's not. He's big enough to handle all of those things. And as we are open and honest about them, it drains the grief out of us and frees us to have a different capacity to receive his joy. So the first thing we have to do is simply be honest about what is not as it should be. And then secondly, and maybe most importantly, we need to focus our attention on God. Because we live in a world that is very noisy, and a world where we are very quickly consumed with what is not yet as it should be. And very quickly it wants to steal and rob the joy that God wants to give to us. But as we lift our eyes up above all of the weight and all the chaos and all the intensity to see the wonder of his face, it changes our experience as we recognize that he sees us and knows us and is working powerfully to bring about his redemptive purposes in the world, it changes our perspective and it gives us a different kind of joy. As we can recognize that the mighty one has done and will do and is doing tremendous things, we don't feel frightened and afraid, we don't become anxious and consumed with the things that are broken or wrong or what might happen over the course of our life because we have a different level of peace we can spring forth with a delight from the kind of rightness knowing that he is with us and that we can move forward into whatever life might throw our way because God is enough to empower us to walk through these things faithfully and well. And for some of us, we need something really tangible. And so what I want to encourage us to do over the course of the Christmas season and maybe beyond, I want to encourage you any time between now and Christmas that you feel lost or you feel lonely or you feel anxious or you feel ashamed or you feel tempted or you feel overwhelmed, or you just feel small and insignificant. Anytime we feel anything like that, I want to encourage us to come back to this passage. Maybe read it over, maybe if you need to, read it out loud. And just to sit and dwell for a few minutes with whatever part God is drawing to your mind. Because for some of us, we're just going to need to remember that our souls glorify the Lord and our spirits rejoice in God our Savior. 
And we just need some space to worship him and delight in him and honor him really well. And it will right our perspective and bring us back to a place of joy. For others of us, we're going to really need to know that he is mindful of us. That he sees us in all those moments where we feel small and inadequate and insignificant and weak and weary. That he sees us and knows us in those spaces. For many of us, we're going to need to know that the mighty one has done great things for us. Maybe we just need some time to sit in the presence of God and just remember all of the great things that he's done and the good gifts that he's given to us. And as we remember these things, it may return our hearts to a place of joy. And for some of us, we're going to need to remember that he brings down rulers from their thrones and he raises up the humble. And that all that is dark and broken and wrong in our souls or our families or our world is only very temporary. And that one day he will move forward into all these things to make them right in the way that they ought to be. And he may even invite us to move forward with him to be an agent of his reconciliation and healing and hope and joy and peace in our families or our community over the course of this season. And so whenever we need to, let's just come back to these words. Let's remember the wonder and the truth of who he is and let's use that to inspire us and to write our souls back to a kind of joy a real joy that will last. And so let's just take a few moments, again, just to be open and honest with God. And I guess for many of us, probably for all of us, we recognize we do just need this joy. So wherever you are, I just encourage you, just take a minute and just ask God for this kind of joy. The kind of joy that isn't crushed by circumstances, but the kind of joy that picks you up and carries you through all the hard circumstances of life. Just ask Him for that in whatever way is meaningful to you. And I want to encourage you, just take a minute and just talk to God honestly about what is not yet as it ought to be. What are the places in your life where there's brokenness or pain or wounding? What are the things that cause you stress or anxiety or fear? And just talk to him honestly for a few minutes about what those things are and what they look like. And I want to encourage you to just take a moment and just dwell in the truth that God Almighty, the creator and the sustainer of the universe, is mindful of you. That he considers all of your ways. 
and that he is moving to do mighty things for you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that so often we feel like nobody from nowhere, but that you see us, that you know us, that you are mindful of every one of our steps and every part of our lives. Lord, we thank you that you have not abandoned us to ourselves or to our own destruction, but in your grace and mercy you've moved towards us to bring freedom and healing and hope and life and joy and peace and redemption. Lord, empower us to move towards you. Give us the grace, Jesus, to process well with you what is not as it should be. And Lord, lift up our eyes to you so we can recognize the ways that you are mindful of us, the ways that you move powerfully on our behalf. And for those of us today who cannot believe the truth of these words, we ask, Holy Spirit, that in a unique way in the week to come, you would break through our cynicism and our woundedness that your spirit would speak the truth to the very depths of who we are. Give us confidence to walk forward faithfully with you. Lead us in your ways and guide us into your truth. And Lord, would you instill deep within our souls the truth of this joy? Would our lives reflect this deep delight that springs from the rightness of who you are and what you are about in this world? And when we are tempted to despair because we see so much darkness and pain and hopelessness and evil in the world, would our eyes be drawn back to you? And would your spirit within us speak to us the truth that all of this is only temporary because one day you will set everything right? And would our hope be firmly fixed on you so that your joy will strengthen us through each and every moment and every circumstance? We surrender these things to you. We ask, Jesus, that you would meet us in all the highs and lows of life and fill us with a joy that will last. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.